0: Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today the Clint. Clarkson. And you may know him from his l scenes, which are comic scenes for the learning and development industry. You may know him because he is the owner and founder of eLearning Alchemy or even on the eLearning Alchemy podcast. So Clint, I am just so happy to have you. Will you please give yourself like a better introduction?
1: I don't know if I could do better than that <laughs> and anything better than that would be verbose at, at the least uh, but I'll, I'll say yeah thank you very much Robin I'm really happy to be here you've you've taken all of the best stuff about me Uh started the learning and development scenes the L&D scenes a couple of years ago I did two and a half years ago now and been, had a lot of fun doing that met a lot of people through that and that's, uh, that's my passion project. I, I love doing that. Um, but we're talking about feedback today, which is a topic I don't get to talk about enough, uh, but, but it is, in my mind, one of the most important learning and development tools, one of the most important personal development tools. And it's something that I'm passionate about, but don't get to talk about very often because more often than not, I'm talking about e-learning and in-class training development. So really happy to be here and... So thanks very much.
0: Well, my favorite first question, I, we, I want to get into feedback, but my favorite first question is always, how did you become an idol? how did you become an instructional designer and online learning developer? how did you get into this field?
1: Completely by accident. I think a lot of people have that, that same story. Uh, I was working at a collection agency when I was 19 or 20 and i somehow, I was a terrible collector. I was terrible at calling people and asking them to pay their bills. Uh, so I somehow became a supervisor though, in spite of that, I guess, because I talked a good game and I needed to learn really quickly how to become a better bill collector and support my team that I was supposed to be leading. So I went around this office over about two weeks and sat with every single one of the top collectors, made a ton of notes about what they did, how they managed their caseload, how they managed follow up and, uh, Post dated checks and things of that nature how they made a determination if they thought somebody could pay in full versus having a monthly payment that sort of thing and I made this this manual and about a week after I issued that manual out to my team the VP of operations came to my desk and said did you make this and he didn't say it like in a hey did you did you create this manual it's really great like I thought I was in trouble and I said yeah yeah I I created that to help my team and he looked at me and said well you're going to be our new trainer and you start on Monday. Yeah. So that's how I became, that's how I got into learning and I knew nothing about training. And when I look back on it now, some of the stuff that I did was just, Holy geez, what a disaster. Um, but the type of person that I am, I love to read. I love to learn really about anything. You know, I can watch the history channel all day long. And so I, so I quickly started to dive into, uh, into how to be a better trainer and how to be an instructional designer. Although I didn't even know it was called that at that point. Um, and Sort of, and later on in my career, like I thought I knew what I was doing. Uh, Then later on in my career, I met some really, really talented instructional designers. I was working at an airline called WestJet based in Calgary, Alberta, and that's where I met real instructional designers. And I thought, you know, I, th- I, I thought of instructional design as this box, I sort of knew what was in it, maybe I could get in there and learn a little bit more. And the, the analogy that I use is that once I was with these really great instructional designers, I opened up that box and stuck my head in. And it wasn't a box, it was a warehouse. And <laughs> I had a couple of little things in a box. So there's just so much more to learn. And that's where I really became obsessed with uh, learning more about instructional design, still lots, lots more to learn. I've got lots to learn. We all do. And, but that's how, that's how I became an an instructional designer was totally by accident. And then having someone else steer me in the right direction to say, actually, if you look over here, there's a whole bunch more to learn. And there's a whole bunch more that you could be doing to build better courses. And that's, that's how I became an idol.
0: I love it. I love that story. Well, while it might be the same when it starts, it was accident, but that is a very unique story that you started out in bill collections.
1: Right. What a <laughs> horrible place to work. I'm sorry to anyone who works in bill collection, but that's a tough job, like a really, really tough job get being yelled at and having to be forceful with people all day long. So um, huge kudos to the people that are able to do that for a long period of time. Most people have a very short shelf life in that, in that industry.
0: Oh yeah, I can imagine. They're like, "Okay, my soul has shrunk. It's time to move on." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm. I no longer consider myself a good human being. I need to. <laughs> I need to change jobs.
0: But uh, so we want to still talk about feedback. And it seems like, did you? Where did you get your first um, set of feedback in instructional design? Was it when you met those um, those gurus at the airline, or where was it that you really started to um, appreciate? Oh, and start oh, really yeah. Getting into
1: that. Yeah, it was. It was with those those gurus at uh, at WestJet. So, you know, one of them was the manager Mike Cush, who is just brilliantly knowledgeable and. Excuse me! Brilliantly knowledgeable and a fantastic instructional designer, really good at creating uh, emotional reactions in learners when when required, and just finding unique ways to sort of set people up for an aha moment, and also go, oh, geez, I hadn't thought of it that way. He's really, really effective at that. And another one is Sharon Doyle, who's a uh, a master's of instructional design, and she is. Uh, she's one of those people that's been doing it for so long and understands it so well that it, you know, she just looks at a piece of content and goes, this is the way this particular content needs to be treated. It just almost immediately. She just looks at it and goes, okay, here's my hundred options. It's this one. And so she, she really opened my eyes to the fact that different pieces of content must be treated differently. And that when you're dealing with skill versus knowledge is going to be, um, treated differently. If you're doing, you know, motor skills are obviously different as well. And, uh, and then from there, just working with those people, obviously you learn a lot. But uh, Mike referred me to Understanding by Design. And that was the first real textbook on instructional design that I had read, and I actually took it on my um, second honeymoon. Um, our first was a disaster, so we redid it. But uh, I took it. We had, we had we had one week in Jamaica, and I literally took that book, counted how many pages there were, divided it by seven, and put post-it notes at each seventh of the book. And every night I read a seventh of that book, and it was. You know, it's one of those expressions that the more, you know, the more you don't know. And it was, there was just so much in there. And I thought at that point, I realized there's so much more I have to dig into here. But so, yeah, that's the, that was the first real piece of feedback that I got uh, on instructional design. They didn't say it this way, obviously, but essentially the feedback I was being given based on the support that they gave me was you don't know anything. You should probably learn it.
0: (laughs) That's actually really kind though. (laughs)
1: Which, which fair enough. You know, <laughs> yeah. fair. Enough. If, if if that's the case, then yeah, I do need to learn it. So,
0: yeah. So, do you ever remember um, taking feedback personally, or were you pretty much from the beginning like take it, grow, move on?
1: I I don't know. It's, that's an interesting question because it, it still depends. Like when my wife gives me feedback, I'm less receptive to it yeah. than than if uh, if someone else gives me feedback. Although she's almost always right, so I should probably be more. Yeah, I should probably be more in, in, um, excited about her feedback. But um, no, I'm, I, I think I've always been pretty decent at accepting feedback. But part of that, I think, comes from the, fair, the very first boss I had at a collection agency. I actually started in their client relations department writing settlement requests for banks. That was my first real job. And he was, tyrant is the wrong word, but pretty close. But a nice guy, like you liked working for him but there was no guff, there was no messing around. And there were a couple of times early on that he gave me some feedback and I sort of got snarky about it or upset about it. And I learned very quickly that the, he's the one who taught me the only appropriate response to feedback is thank you. You can decide yeah. if you wanna use it or not later on, but the only appropriate response is thank you. When you get feedback, there's also often this emotional reaction. We all get it because none of us like to be told we're not doing something well or we're not doing something correctly. And you, 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 there needs to be this point where you slow down, you stop and decide and, and take the time to let the emotional reaction, that fight or flight reaction, cool down and then think about the feedback logically. Do I trust the source? Do they have all of the information? Is this feedback fair? Is it being influenced by some other outside element? And, and you can make that decision, but you have to wait to to cool down. And I learned that from him very, very early on in my career. He's somebody that I respected and still respect. And uh that that's a piece that I've carried with me ever since. I and I, I've said to my team, my teams that I've led over, over the years, you can give me feedback and you can tell me that my work sucks. I'm totally fine with that as long as you can back it up. And you have to give me the opportunity to go a little bit red in the face because I'm embarrassed or I'm disappointed. But we're the, the expression I use is we're allowed to love our um allowed to lever our work, uh, but we're we're not allowed we're allowed to love our work, our job, but we're not allowed to love our work. Sorry, I struggled with that for some reason. Um, but, but we can we can love what we're doing, but everything we do because we're creative and because uh, we're building something for somebody else, we have to be good at accepting feedback on that. Um, so I think all of us have that uh, anxiety or that emotional reaction when we get feedback. It's just a matter of how, what plan do we have in place to deal with that when we have that emotional reaction.
0: Yeah, I love that phrase. Um, I think you told me uh, that same phrase, you can love your job, but not your work. Well, whenever we met for your podcast and it has stuck with me. And so I just wanna bring that feedback conversation like all the way down to specifically um, our industry and learning and development. And I think you've already kind of touched on it, but what would be the thing that you would tell new instructional designers about, like go in depth about just how important Feedback is and um, how you should receive it and how you should look for it um, well, as an instructional designer.
1: Yeah, I, I think what the biggest thing for an instructional designer is to recognize that there are a lot of different stakeholders that are interested in our work, which is great. We, we should be happy about that. And as a result, we need to be able to uh, exactly what I was describing there take feedback from different people and assess the quality of that feedback because there's some bad feedback, there's lousy feedback that we get, uh, but a lot of it, all of it, has some sort of value to it that, that we can learn from. So even if that's, okay, that feedback was lousy, and that person is really interested in one particular thing. So let's make sure we address that for them before before we go into the, the next meeting with them. But we, we do have this variety of, of, of stakeholders. You know, first and foremost, we have our client, which is the business. Most people would say first and foremost, the learners, that's wrong. Uh, Adamantly, I will say that is completely wrong. First and foremost is our client, the people that are paying us, the people that are looking for our product to influence their business or organization in in a particular way. So that's first. And, And then within that business, there's a variety of different stakeholders. So the leader of the learning and development department is going to look different than a functional leader of the operation is going to look different than the finance department or the executive team. So you've got all of these different elements within an organization that are are going to be giving you feedback on the quality of your product. And it becomes really important to understand what different types of feedback mean and what types of feedback uh, you're willing to accept or how you control that feedback. So one really simple example of this is colors and fonts. So a lot of organizations have their branding guidelines. You have to use specific colors, you have to use specific fonts in certain situations and some other, other organizations you have different flexibility. When you have that flexibility, Really, that decision should be made very early on in the project. Are we using this? Are we not? I, you know, We hear this all the time where people go into a meeting with a group of executives or some other business leader, the phantom stakeholder, if, if you will. And at the end of that, that meeting, they're changing fonts and colors and slide layouts. Why on earth are we letting an executive give us feedback on that? You know, my, my mentality on that. And, you know, I'm a bit forceful. I'm, I'm pretty, a pretty confident person. I don't mind making an argument. They could shut you down. They're the executive, but to push back and say, do you really want us to go waste the time changing these colors that everyone else has already agreed to just to, just to appease you? Mm-hmm. And we, we, we have to be willing to have those types of conversations around feedback. Um, and, and and then, and then when we get to our learners, we have to accept their feedback as well. And then our subject matter experts, we've got to accept their feed, feedback as well. So I guess the, the, the biggest guideline I would say around feedback is to, for instructional designers is know that it's going to come from a bazillion different angles with people who have different concerns and different priorities. And we have to just simply be pre- prepared for that. And even more so, we should actually be going out and soliciting it and understanding the way that different stakeholders think and the way that different stakeholders are going to want things done because we can get around a lot of that feedback if we're listening to it in the first place. When we listen to it, we make our jobs easier because we're not going to make the same, quote-unquote, mistakes in the future. And it's really frustrating to businesses, to learners, if we keep doing the same thing that they tell us not to do, even though most of our industry does a lot of that.
0: (laughs) So I I like what you said about, you know, you almost have to discern... Um, the different types of feedback. Would you say there's a difference between feedback and criticism?
1: Yes. And the, I think the difference is, is how it's delivered. Like criticism is strictly, I don't like this or I don't like you. I mean, that's what, that's what criticism is. I, I just, yeah. I don't like this. You did this wrong. That's not feedback. Feedback has to have some kind of Actionable outcome related to it. If it's if it's if it doesn't have that, it's not actually feedback. You can call it that, but it's not actually feedback. And I think we we get caught in this trap a lot of times of assuming that people can't accept feedback or are resistant to to feedback because we've delivered it really really badly. You can't tell somebody this course sucks. Somebody tells you that they they, they're just that's just criticism. Where with feedback, it's there's a bunch of considerations around it. the timeliness of it, if, if somebody is involved in a project and then months later they give you feedback on something, that's, that's, that's criticism. It's not feedback at that point if the project's already completed and live and out. Uh, the specificity, I think that's probably the biggest thing. When somebody says they don't like it, they need to be able to articulate what they don't like about it. If they don't, it's an opi- if they can't, it's an opinion. If they can, then you can have a discussion about what the feedback is and whether or not they just don't understand the instructional approach or visual layout or visual communication, whatever it happens to be. If that specificity isn't there, then it's not really feedback, it's criticism in that case. And then and then probably even even just the way that it's framed, you know, the language that a person uses. If if somebody's being particularly negative to you, they're not giving you feedback. They're being a jerk. And there's not like in in the book Crucial Conversations, they talk about something they call the fool's choice, where it's this where we believe we have to make this decision between being nice and giving feedback or having a conversation, but you can do both of those things at the same time. You can be a kind person and give feedback. So if somebody's not doing that, I, th- I think that automatically falls into the realm of criticism. You may be able to draw some value out of it and draw some feedback from it, but if somebody's just being a jerk, that's not feedback anymore, that's just being a jerk.
0: When you give feedback to your team, do you have almost like a formula in your mind about how you present that information to them, or are they just like used to? getting your feedback. So
1: So, (laughs) yeah, so, so there's, there's some great models for feedback and I'm a big fan of the situational leadership model from Ken Blanchard, situational leadership two from, from Ken Blanchard. Uh, It's, it's a great tool once you've learned it on how to use, how to use feedback effectively and how to involve people in, in the feedback process. It also emphasizes that that when you're giving feedback, it's about the task, not necessarily the person. And, and that each task, a person can be at a different development level at, so you want to give them different kinds of feedback. Uh, So, so in that, in that model, a person who's very new to a role is going to need uh, a lot of direction, but not a lot of support. New people tend to be highly motivated. They can transition very quickly into not being very motivated, but that's the, the second developmental level where they're going to need a lot of of support, but they're also going to need a lot of motivation in that, in that, in that situation. Uh, and one of the things I like most about that whole model of situational leadership though, is that it, it always frames this up as, as support and motivation because the the two types of things that you, you can provide uh, when, when you're giving feedback. Um, but, but more so, I think the, that model is great to use, but more so the relationship you have with a person is significantly more impactful than any way that you've delivered feedback you can you can be pretty blunt with someone if you have a good relationship with them so i think that's that's the first step as far as developing the ability to give good feedback is really developing a leadership uh, the uh, relationship with the person so um, i use a lot of contractors in my business comfortable just giving them all really direct feedback we talk about that when i first hire them that if i have to coddle you we're going to have a problem because I don't have time to coddle you, but I also you have to give them permission to challenge you on the feedback and ask questions about the feedback and, and not just accept it blindly if they feel strongly or have evidence to uh, suggest that something else is appropriate. So I, when I give feedback, it's usually very direct. I don't, there's no shit sandwich. I hate that technique. <laughs> like treat people like, like people. If, if you have to sit down with somebody, plan a meeting with them, they know what you want to talk about generally, or they have some idea. If you beat around the bush, you're, you're, you're not being a very effective leader. You're not serving that person. You're, you're really torturing them. So I like to get to the point and just say, Hey, I got to talk to you about something that uh, that that's come up that wasn't as good as, as we need it to be. Want to share it with you, get your your thoughts and opinions on it so that we can fix it in the future. And To me, that's the way to start the conversation. Dive right in, be sincere. Um, I really believe that if your goal and your intention going into a feedback conversation is to help someone get better, then you can't do it incorrectly. If, you, yeah. if you're sincere about that and the other person believes that you're there to help them, even if you make a mistake in that conversation or say something that you shouldn't, you can either backpedal or if they call you out on it, you can apologize. You know, you can, we're all going to make mistakes when we give feedback, but it, it really has to come from, from that place. And again, Crucial Conversation calls it start with heart, which, it, which really just means start by thinking about the other person you be empathetic to what this might feel like to them and, and just be honest with them uh, and, and direct the, the whole, you know, let's have a 60 minute meeting. We're going to beat around the bush for 45 minutes for five minutes at the end. And then for five minutes at the end, I'm going to blast you in the face with some bad news. Uh, that's silly and a waste of time.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, I really actually kind of um, the, in the Academy, I have to give, but that's like my main role you know, besides that the training's already there, but then like the active part is to give feedback to every single one of those Academy members. And sometimes like at there gets a point where I will see like an entire, um, like storyboard or course that they've created, or maybe they created a course without getting feedback along the way. And then you just, there's just so much that you are like saying, like, uh, you know, your alignment is wrong and this and that and this and that. And you feel like your feedback is almost like dumping on them, you know, and you, and you know that you're doing it to help them. But at the same time, you're like, Oh my gosh, I just hope that they take this well because I just, I know (laughs) that I just gave them so much. And you're right. It's exactly that is if you do with heart and the relationship, every one of them have like come back and um, they've said like, wow, that was a lot and but they said thank you so much and um and then you get to literally see it transform and they still send you more things for feedback so i think you are i think you're right on the money when you talk about how it has to do with like heart and your relationship because you can get away you can get away with giving a lot of feedback if you have that rapport
1: yeah like think of our personal relationships right even, you know, we're both married and yeah. I'm sure we've both had disputes or disagreements with our spouses. Not me. And, okay, well, I- <laughs> I'm just I,
0: kidding.
1: <laughs> uh, good for you. Um, I always
0: win. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. That's a common theme in my household as well, um, for her. Yeah. So so in, in those relationships, we can have pretty strong disagreements about, about something. Or maybe we're just both overtired and we're disagreeing about something stupid. But the next day, we're typically not still fighting. In the workplace, if you have a really strong disagreement with someone, it'll be weeks before that relationship gets repaired in a lot of cases. So if you're not setting it up correctly, if you're not working at building uh, relationships with people, And you're going to run into those types of problems the relationships are just so important, but feedback is also contextual. So when you talk about giving feedback to people who are taking a course with you, they're expecting feedback for a lot of learning and development professionals. They walk into a storyboard review meeting or an alpha product review meeting and they're not expecting very much feedback. They're expecting, oh, maybe we'll make some small changes. I worked so hard on this, everyone's gonna love it. (laughs) To your point, if you haven't been getting um, reviews and feedback along the way, that's going to increase the amount of feedback that you get. But everybody's got an opinion. And in that, like, when you bring a bunch of people into a room and say, give me your feedback, what do you expect? what should you expect and you should do that and you should expect a lot of feedback, that's the goal. I mean really, to make the course its best, that's the goal because you do have that choice to ignore some of the feedback if it doesn't make sense, if it's too costly, if it's going to break the instructional efficacy. There's a bunch of things that, arguments that we can make to um, not use particular feedback but the goal should be to get as much feedback as possible and that's what makes us better. But to to that contextual point, in a lot of cases, you know, thinking of leaders, people aren't expecting feedback on their work they when people do their work generally they think they're doing it right they may be making mistakes they may not have the the skill set that we need yet uh but they they think that they're doing the best that they can even if they're not people still tend to think that they're doing the best that they can or that they're the best at it and so we have to be cognizant of that and build the, I'm going to use the word relationship again, but um, really building a feedback relationship with, with people that, that we're working with. So for instructional designers, that is your, your functional leaders and your subject matter experts, your learners, your executives, and, and building a, uh, a reputation of feedback and a, and, a, and a regular rhythm of feedback. And when, you're, when you do that, it becomes so much easier to accept it and people become better at giving it. And, and truly, truly for, for any learning, really for anyone's career, be the person that goes and looks for feedback. Every leader everywhere loves the person who just comes and asks for it and takes the anxiety away from them as the leader. Because leaders have tremendous anxiety about uh, giving feedback, probably more than employees have about receiving it. So if we can make their lives easier as instructional designers, to let those people know you can give your feedback, this is how we're gonna handle feedback, Just because you've given it doesn't mean I'm necessarily making it change. That's a discussion we're going to have as a group, or these people will be involved in these types of decisions. But setting that context up for feedback is just so crucial for every position, but certainly for instructional designers.
0: Yeah. Is there, um, yeah, I think you kind of mentioned it, but do you think there's a way that uh, you can ask for feedback, uh, almost like the same way that you give feedback? Just like you just said, is there a a similar formula that would, um, get you better feedback than if you just say, "Hey, can you give me feedback on this?"
1: Yeah, it's it's the same stuff. Yeah, like when 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 I get feedback personally, I want it to be timely, like close to the event or work that is creating the feedback, so that it's fresh in my mind. So I remember what decisions I made, who's been involved in them, and that sort of thing. That's really helpful. Absolutely, specificity. So if I'm asking for feedback, there's one thing to say: Hey, I'd like to get some feedback on this. The thing to say, I'd like to get some feedback on these particular elements of the course or this particular section of the course, and the type of feedback that you're looking for. We want to make sure that the content is accurate. To me, that's the the really big thing. Is let's let's focus on content accuracy in this feedback session. And when we when we do that, and this is a challenge that learning uh, development has all the time, is we we ask for feedback and we start getting the feedback on the colors and the fonts and the layouts, which really well layouts maybe uh, but really aren't as crucial to the learning and that's what people tend to focus on because it's what they understand best but when we when we shift that and say hey let's let's do content let's really f- focus on content give that specificity the uh, the quality of the feedback that you're going to get is improved and you're not going to get that other feedback that you that you really don't want because it's not that crucial uh, the reframing it becomes really important uh, the we don't want people coming in thinking that the feedback is for the, all the things that have been done wrong. I think sometimes that happens. So, it, you know, if the reframe is uh, so for the goal of this feedback session is to increase the quality of the course that we have, you know, is, is there content missing? That's, that's the thing that you can put on your list that you're looking for. Uh, is some of the content wrong? Is there content in here that doesn't need to be in here and, and having that saying, okay, so those three things, that's what we're reviewing in the session. Um, and and then trying to keep that the, the 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 feedback in a in a positive frame. So it's okay if we did this, if we remove this content, they're going to have less impact or, or less impact on the cognitive load, or we can add more content. So that's that's the positive outcome of of having need to know information nice to know information in there that we could remove. Uh, and then you know any any time. Um, when we're, when we're asking for feedback, we, we have to go into it with the desire to listen. You know, we, we really shoot ourselves in the foot when we give our, the impression to the people who are giving us the feedback that we don't actually want it. And so I think that's, that's crucial to the whole process for anyone that's, that's deliberately seeking feedback.
0: I love it. I feel like there's just so much that you've already given us to you know, take measured action to get feedback and even to be able to give it right because that that'll happen too especially if you are um, working in a team so um, if you were to give your best piece of advice to new instructional designers what would you say
1: I would say how new
0: oh they're like transitioning into our field
1: have they gone to school or not
0: sometimes they go and get a master's degree but we know that that doesn't mean they know yeah. the practice.
1: Yeah. And well, and it, it, I think it changes a little bit, the, the type of feedback that you would give someone. Um, there, there, you know, there is this perception out there that if we go to university, we know everything about a particular field. And then we get in, we were actually going to run a podcast with, with a young man who's in Nigeria, actually. And he had gone to university, uh, got a degree in instructional design, went and started working for a business and went, this is not what I was taught. Right. So there, there's actually a different sort of a different angle that we, we, we have to take with with those instructional designers. But in general, so the the advice that I would give, I don't say it's feedback, but the advice that I would give around feedback is learn to find it and learn how to use it. So finding it is who do you go to to get the best quality feedback and how do you ask for it to get the specificity that you need in order to make changes to a course, to make it better. So if you can master those two things, uh, you're going to get good quality feedback and then how you accept feedback and what you do with feedback becomes the next step. And I like to, if I'm getting feedback, I want to make notes. So here's the feedback, whether it's on a specific element or a general, um, observation, and then take, make notes of what that feedback is and come back to it the next day if possible. Sometimes that's not, sometimes you have to do it on the spot, but if you can take it away for the next day and then come back to that conversation, okay, so I've thought this through, you're right on this, you're absolutely right on this, can we talk about this, I think we, we may be in disagreement on this piece, uh, but, but literally just taking yourself out of, out of that context um, and, and, then, and then coming back to it in order to make decisions about what to do with the feedback, but it's, but it's absolutely that solicitation of feedback. I get excited when I've given somebody a start, not a client. To be clear, internally, I don't want a client doing this. I mean, we got to get it better than that at at uh, by the time we've got it to them. But if I take a storyboard and I send it to somebody for a review, I'm thrilled when it comes back marked up like crazy. We all should be. We should all be excited because that's the quality of the change. We we shouldn't be looking at that as that was the how low our quality was to begin with. If we if we've done our best, if we have if we've mailed it in, we know that. But if we've done our level best and it's still coming back with that amount of feedback. What that says is that other person put in a lot of effort and this course is going to be a whole bunch better than it was going to be if I just did it by myself. Yeah. And so that, that, and that's, that goes back to that, that expression, you're allowed to love your job, but not your work. There should be, if you're sending, if you're sending things out, you know, a, a storyboard, first draft of a storyboard out for feedback and you get, you know, two comments and one person corrects a there, like how you spelled there somewhere in the course, that is lousy feedback. That's not, that doesn't help you get better. It doesn't make the course get better. And so, and, and to that end, when you're soliciting feedback, say, don't hold back. Tell me every little thing you notice. And that almost, when, when somebody comes back with that crazy marked up storyboard, it's, it's actually almost when you, when you've set yourself up, forgive me everything. If that's what you were expecting, it's easy to accept. And when it comes back with less than that, you go, Oh, Oh, I did a really good job on this in, in the first place. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's that, that's I'm giving a long answer to, uh, to, to a simple question, but yeah, the, the, the piece of advice that that I would give is, is probably that statement is love your job, not your work. and, actively seek the f- feedback on it. Like you should be looking for storyboards that are marked up so disgustingly that you can't even see what's on the screen and you have to pull up the original version to understand what's changed. Like that's the best case scenario in my mind. And if you take that mindset into any kind of feedback session that the best kind of feedback is just tons of it so that you can decide which pieces are most valuable to you and make the changes that that make sense to you.
0: I love it. Clint, thank you so much and just um in hand in hand with what you've just um, taught us today is we actually have worksheets on the idlecourses.com website and it'll be in the show, not- show notes and it'll be like an actual formula for how you can ask for feedback and you can download those so that you can go start getting more um, feedback on your projects. And I just want to thank you so much, Clint, for um, being here and sharing all your wisdom with us and the idle nation
1: if I shared all of my wisdom in this short <laughs> period of time uh, th- uh, then somebody needs to give me some feedback on learning a little bit more uh, but absolutely thanks so much for having me Robin. I think this is a great topic and we you know I made notes beforehand about different things that we could talk about we maybe talked about a third of them uh, there's just so much that we can learn around feedback and you know the f- uh, piece of feedback for for anyone out there that's um not actively soliciting feedback is that you should you should go online and look for forms like like you said there for instructional designers but um uh, on on the idle website but there are other forms too if you just google feedback form you're going to find some that are for leaders trying to give feedback you're going to you're also going to find some for individuals to accept feedback like i found one online uh preparing for this and it's you know it's just a series of questions what aspects of your work are criticized what are the specific criticisms? If you invert the criticism, do they feel more correct? Like, does it, is the opposite of the criticism, would that have been a compliment to you? it's simple things like that, little techniques that you can use when you're looking at feedback to discern between uh, good quality feedback and low quality feedback. Um, so there's, I mean, there's just so much information out there and I don't think we can get better without, I know we can't, we can't learn without feedback. So if you, you know, everybody says, yes, I am a life learner. If you are, you love feedback. That's just the way that it works. So I'm still ranting. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. Really appreciate it.
0: No, thank you. Now I kind of feel bummed. I didn't ask more questions.
1: <laughs> hey, hey we, we can do this again. We can always do it again. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with talking about feedback. Maybe some people will have feedback on this session or this podcast and, uh, and we can answer their questions or their observations because I mean, we didn't talk about the difference between you know, positive and negative feedback.
0: Or, really, or which even is such like an important topic. Yeah, or even what you just touched on, like the importance of feedback for learners. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I have to do yeah. A part two <laughs> the, the, the path cycle, uh, cycle is presentation application feedback. Like that's a, that's, a learning, that's a learning loop, or the Pygmalion or Rosenthal effect. You know, there's things like that that are you know, maybe a little bit more deep then sort of this base level, um, content about feedback that we've been talking about, but yeah, there's, there's lots of, there's entire books on it. Probably entire, there's probably degrees on, on how to interact and and give feedback, but for another time.
0: Yeah. And I'll link to some of your favorite books in the show notes and, um, maybe that form that you mentioned earlier. And so people can dig deeper.
1: Crucial conversations brilliant brilliant book i know every person who ever becomes a leader should be handed a copy of that book it it has so much great content about giving feedback and having difficult conversations and it it truly has some just great little mental models or ways of looking at the world that will change the way that you give and receive feedback
0: oh well i need to check that book out
1: (laughs) and it's a short easy read i'll put that out there too because people love that
0: thank you so much clint i really really appreciate you
1: No problem. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you too, Robin. Thanks for for having me on and you have a great day.
0: You too. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy, where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, Early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.